Hello, and welcome to Foul Puck, the uh, sports ball podcast for the rest of us. Unlike other podcasts, we do not expect our listeners out there in listener land to know what the in-double or reporter clay is, and instead, we'll tell you. I'm Nancy, I'm your basketball enthusiast, and I am joined by, in the blue room here... Oh, that's me! (laughs) (laughs) I'm Rebecca, I'm your hockey person... Uh, I've been doing a lot of research for this episode, and I'm slightly less enthusiastic right now than normal. But you are fired up. (laughs) Oh, yes, that's true. (laughs) Yes, Rebecca has has promised to horrify us today. So uh, (laughs) settle in, folks. We'll give you a second here to go get your uh, beverage of choice and some popcorn. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Rebecca is ready for us. And who's our third party here? Uh, Yes, I'm Rachel. I'm your baseball enthusiast. My head spinning with uh, insane trades. Mm. taking place these days mm. it's good that rebecca has a glass of wine because then she can pour some out for us in the a's <laughs> <laughs> womp, womp. Mm, sad trombones this is how you end up with more than one team yeah but, yeah 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 all right it's not the only way though is it nancy with it's you not- and the colorado avalanche <laughs> i know yeah i'm having an illicit affair with the colorado avalanche although i gotta say like yeah but the- it's it's the, the avalanche, first... so it's a completely wholesome affair. It, you're not wrong. You're not <laughs> wrong. They're, like, sending me secret admirer notes filled with news about how they're supporting the NWHL mm-hmm. and, like, standing for women's sports. And yep. I'm like, oh, oh, I do kind of like you. It's mm-hmm. true. <laughs> they're the Mary in the F. Mary Kill triad. <laughs> okay, but who are the others, Rebecca? Well, we don't need to go down that path. <laughs> oh, don't oh. we? <laughs> this is a whole different episode. This I is mean, the it, Patreon After Dark episode. Yeah, yeah. Talk to me after I've finished my cider tonight. Yes. Fair. Oh, is that what that is? Did I call it yes. one and it's actually That's okay. It's okay. It's blackberry cider. So it I was going to say, like I would one. not have guessed Ooh, cider. That's pretty. Okay. Yeah. So, so th- what are our beverages of choice? What do we? What do you drink in there, Rachel? What do you got? <laughs> uh, I've got my uh, poison of choice. I've got the uh, Coke Slurpee ready to go. Very nice. Excellent. And you uh, give the folks at home some ASMR later on when I'm almost finished with it. <laughs> yes. Do, do a little shake, speaking. a little shake in front of the mic. <laughs> oh, good. Yeah, I heard it. Okay, very good. Thank you, Rachel. Yep. I am uh, double fisting it here. I've got my uh, sparkling water and uh, some tea. You should have switched the cups just to be unexpected. How would that be? Oh, oh. But then my, I was like, what you, I heard that as switch hands. And I was like, why would it be different to hold a key in my left hand? I don't. Um, but then it would break my nice red cup. It wouldn't take the heat very well. It's just plastic. Anyway. Nice try, Rachel. Yeah. Good I do though. my best. I have made a note here. Fuck, Mary kill episode coming soon. <laughs> We'll do that after a few more drinks. Yeah. Okay. So uh, the NWHL, we have been watching. They're in the middle, literally the middle of their very short season, which is two weeks. Uh, I have, I managed to watch more of it than I expected, actually, which has been a delight. And one of the most entertaining things has been uh, the, the Twitch stream chat. So all of the games are playing on Twitch, except then they will put the semifinals and the finals on... NBC Sports. Thank you, NBC Sports. An actual real TV channel. Which is amazing. (laughs) Which is amazing. Um, But the Twitch 
stream very quickly latched onto the Zamboni, which has been <laughs> hilarious. Yes. The memes are incredible. It's delightful. And even better, the Zamboni driver has like taken it and run with it. So it's terrific. There are now Zamboni t-shirts. There yep. are Zamboni mashup music videos. <laughs> so I, I also saw, I think what I saw today, and maybe this was a fever dream. And if it was a dream, don't tell me that because I want to believe that it's real. No. Um, so it looks like somebody has, um, like individuals can, can quote unquote sponsor, can buy cardboard cutouts in the stands. So like yes. you could be in the stands yourself. Right. So what I think I saw was that somebody has made a Bernie Sanders sitting at inauguration <laughs> with his mittens cut out. And then that Bernie Sanders was on the Zamboni riding yes. along with the driver. Amazing. Yes. So, oh I've, my God, I love it. I saw that same video. It is a real video. There is a yes. Bernie Sanders cut out riding around on the Zamboni. As to how it got there, they closed submissions for the cutouts like two weeks ago. So I don't know. So it was an inside job. It's, it's an inside job, yeah, obviously. I yes. think so. Yeah. Like it might just be the Bernie, like the Zamboni driver might have just done it. I'm not sure. But yeah, so maybe Bernie Sanders should... with his mittens is like driving around on the Zamboni. Explain to people who don't watch Twitch. Um, there are commercials. Yes. On it, there are sometimes ads that play at the beginning, but um, so the stream just keeps going at the breaks between periods, and there's nobody on the ice, and they bring the Zamboni driver out. So for a good, you know, five ten minutes, you get all Zamboni cam all the time. It's shockingly soothing, honestly. Like it is very soothing. I've got drive a Zamboni on my bucket list because it feels like it must be just viscerally satisfying to like drive your, you know, very slow but large piece of machinery across a smooth surface and make it smoother. Like, so that hits all of my buttons. I don't want to drive the Zamboni, but I do want to sit on the Zamboni. I want to be the person facing backwards so I can look at the fresh water <gasps> on the fresh, yeah. clean ice. And I don't okay. have the pressure of trying to drive that thing. Even though it's slow, <laughs> I would crash it into the boards and destroy something. And I don't, oh, no, no, I don't no, want no, that on my conscience. No, I, I want that. That's You can ride next to me. That's fine. Yeah. yeah. All right. I accept. Okay. Who do we talk to about it's, that? Yeah. <laughs> Clearly the sponsors of the podcast. Oh, yes. maybe, maybe we talk to the Avalanche. Hey, Avalanche. We <laughs> want to drive your Zamboni and then Rebecca can sit on it. Can we can we get, can a, we do get that? something going on? <laughs> Please. I'll send him a love note. We'll see what we okay. get back. All right, thanks. <laughs> um, so, Rebecca. One of the things, well, well, while you're talking about Twitch, one of the things I saw this morning was a report from yesterday that um, there had been 6.9 million viewer minutes on the NWHL on Twitch yesterday, which is just yes. insanity in the best way possible, in the yes. best way. The the games that I have been watching, I've seen about 2,500 to 3,500 viewers on at a time. But then Twitch, whoever the powers that be, powers that be at Twitch – have clearly gotten the Zamboni fever and put the <laughs> NWHL's channel on the homepage of Twitch, which just absolutely skyrocketed their numbers. Yeah. Yeah, that was exactly what I was going to ask you to talk about next, because this has been, in an interesting way, a breakout season for the NWHL, mm -hmm. I think, mm -hmm. specifically because of the social media uptake and the live streaming. Mm -hmm. And it really, I think, 
yeah, when I've watched games, it's mostly been in the like twenty five to thirty five hundred range. But I've seen a few crack four or five thousand, mm-hmm. and then they're doing three games a day frequently, and mm-hmm. yeah, it adds up. Yeah, it's it's really cool to see, um, and I I do think it is probably um, an effect of or a result of the fact that it's a two week long season. Yeah, like, definitely. People don't have to commit for a six-month or nine-month season. They can commit for two weeks, and that's, you know, attainable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I also think we've all kind of reached this fever pitch of not being able to do anything. You know, we haven't done <laughs> anything for ten and a half months. And, and I mean, we've all been on the edge for about eight of those months. Yep. But now yep. it's, like, really, it's, like, really up there. So <laughs> anything new to keep the attention uh, is a good thing. I think that's true, but I do think, and I mean... Obviously, I'm not a a media or stats person. I haven't done a real deep dive into this. But um, from what I have seen online, there is kind of a snowball effect. And I do think that this is being accelerated by, you know, things like women's soccer being the first thing to come Mm -hmm. back over the summer, got Mm -hmm. new people interested in women's sports, who then Mm -hmm. got interested in the WNBA, who then, you know, and because women's soccer and women's basketball are promoting the other women's sports, Mm -hmm. you're getting a lot of fan bleed over that I, I mean, I'm sure there was some of that before, obviously, but I think it's it's snowballing in a really interesting way. And you are getting, I think at least, I'm seeing a higher rate of engagement from the men's sports as well, like the Colorado yeah. Avalanche, who don't have a team in their market, mm-hmm. you know, but they're RTing and tweeting with all of the teams yeah. and encouraging their viewers and their fans to watch women's hockey, which, I mean, it's it's frustrating because it's like such a low bar, right? Like, <laughs> this is the bar you would trip over in the hallway on the way to the bathroom in the middle of the night, but like... But they're doing it. You know, they're yeah. they're the oh, oh, jumping over the bar. Trust me, Nancy. The bar is going to get way lower in a few minutes. Okay. This well, is a very high bar. Rebecca, grab that bar with both hands. Yeah. And drop it down to where it needs to go for Yeah. <laughs> um, so you want me to just jump into this thing? Just let's, dive right on Let's in. do it. Let's okay, grow our collective so, loins and go for it. Yeah, so I I am going to give you a content warning here for uh, racism, sexism, kind of like like more than just your vague um, vague pieces of it. This is kind of like your your violent, mm. emotionally violent bullshit. This is our TVM rating. Yes. Okay. Thank you for that. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, Earlier this week, there was a whole dust-up between Barstool Sports, which is a company that started out as a blog, now has a variety of um, podcasts, a bunch of other websites, Twitter presence, of course, um, between the Barstool CEO and basically the the NWHL. So I I did want to go back a little bit and talk about Barstool as a company and as a, as an entity um, to put some of this in context. Cause if I tell you just what happened this week, like some of it is objectively bad, but some of it you kind of look at and you're like, well, I don't, I don't get why there was a, why this was a thing. So um, Barstool has been around for a while. Um, They've been, um, I want to say heavily involved with 
um, many of the National Hockey League players, many of the men's players, they have a um, an NHL podcast called Spit and Chicklets, um, Chicklets being <laughs> teeth. Gotcha. Yeah, um, I got it, but it wasn't funny. Mm. Um, Spit and Chicklets is kind of like the acceptable version of the like casual sexism that runs rampant in this company. Um, there have been a, t- a lot of NHL players on there. Much of hockey media, at least the media that I follow, which I, I admit is a curated group of people because I don't want to see some of this disgustingness, um, are all firmly in the camp that Barstool is gross and like we don't we don't need them in our lives. Yeah, that's that's about as much as I had heard prior to this. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. so they have that well, kind of reputation. Buckle up. <laughs> so um a bunch of the information I'm going to share with you is from an article by um, Hemal Javari. Um, she wrote uh, an article this week on USA Today at the NWHL has a bar stool problem. Um, and then some of the historical stuff is from a Daily Beast article by Robert Silverman. Um, this article was published in 2018 and updated in March of 2019, but it, it has a good... Like, I mean, it's a long article, but it has some really good sections that kind of outline quickly the problematic nature of this company. Mm-hmm. So in 2016, which I was actually going to say is just a couple years ago, but it's actually five years ago. <laughs> Ouch. Yeah. Um, so in 2016, um, Barstool hired a woman named Erica Nardini to serve as their CEO. The goal in hiring her was was primarily to get more high-profile advertising clients and corporate partners. She worked previously with Yahoo and I want to say AOL. So it was kind of bringing in this like very professional woman to kind of, you know, curve some of the sharp edges of this company. Mm-hmm. Um, since this woman, since Erica Nardini um, has come on as CEO there's a whole bunch of stuff that has happened. So I'm going to read to you from um, the Daily Beast article, just a paragraph of the article that talks about some of the the stuff that's happened. So um, Dave Portnoy is the founder and uh, El Presidente, as he likes to call himself. <laughs> oh, he calls himself that? Oh, yeah. Oh. Yeah. Um, so... Portnoy filmed a barstool blogger in the shower without his consent, then called his employee crazy after he vigorously and repeatedly objected. objected. He also told another 20-year-old employee her looks would deteriorate in five years, such that she wouldn't be worth putting in front of the camera. The, that employee fled the radio segment in question in tears. Um, Portnoy wondered on air if Harvey Weinstein should be able to offer roles in movies in exchange for consensual sex. He wrote blog posts mocking the appearance of Deadspin's editor-in-chief and the editorial director of Gizmodo Media Group, both of whom are women. Um, Portnoy and a couple other Barstool bloggers argued that, awful or not, Corey Lewandowski saying womp womp because a 10-year-old with Down syndrome was separated from her parents at the border was actually hysterical. Um, a clause in the contract o- offered to prospective female employees of Bi- Barstool stated that they would be unable to object to or be offended by, 
quote, nudity, sexual scenarios, racial epithets, suggestive gestures, profanity, and references to to stereotypes, unquote, in the workplace. One of their um, bloggers wrote a blog post in which he described a 16-year-old girl as hot, and a Barstool radio host described Olympian Chloe Kim, age 17, as a hot piece of ass. Uh, Barstool's senior director of editorial strategy and growth wrote a blog post fat shaming Rihanna. <laughs> what? Um, during one of their podca- podcasts, uh, a Fox Sports reporter that, told. You have to be out of touch with reality <laughs> to like look at Rihanna and. I'm no, no, sorry. no. Okay. Pretty much. Uh, I, I also want to point out that you have said some terrible things and there has been resounding silence. And that's because we're all making yeah. horrified faces. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and I just want to, because on a pot, I don't want it to seem as though we're letting this right. pass right. casually. It's, it's shocking. We're all shocked yes. into silence. Yes. Yeah. Um, so a Fox Sports reporter told racist jokes while Portnoy and others laughed. The individual manning Barstool's Twitch channel threatened to SWAT someone, meaning call the SWAT team on their house, send the SWAT team to their house. Barstool's main Twitter account shared a video in which Portnoy sang the N-word while somebody else cringed in the background. And a Barstool intern nicknamed Cervix Killer sent repeatedly, sent repeated and highly sexualized texts to a female intern. Yes. Yes. All of this. Oh, and gross. This Fucking is gross. the recent stuff that happened after they hired a woman who was meant to kind of like uh-huh. smooth things out and like improve okay, so their, I don't know, visibility, brand, whatever. Image. Yeah. yeah. So does this actually represent an improvement from what they were before? Or is it just that like this move they made in no way worked? Um, that's a good question. It, it, honestly, it's hard to say. Um, mostly okay. I picked this this long paragraph um, because it happened after the woman in question started and she's part of our story. Um, okay. And because gotcha. if I went back farther, we would just spend the next hour like vomiting. Yeah. 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 Good choice. Yeah. Thank you. Um uh, some of the old stuff included some some violent anti-Semitism, um, some more mm-hmm. racism. So it was just not, we just didn't need to go there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so what makes Barstool unique, um, mm. I think, is, <laughs> is twofold. One is the access to, like, popular athletes that they have. Right. This would be this would be one thing if they were just like a fringe website that didn't actually interact with the athletes or um, or interact with the brand of the NHL or the NWHL or something like that. But they're very they but they have that they have that level of access to players and people involved in the leagues. The other thing that sets them apart is the way they the way Portnoy in particular um, uh, weaponizes their fan base. So Mm -hmm. during an interview with Entrepreneur Magazine in 2013, this is another section from the um, Daily Beast article, Portnoy explained that whenever a line is crossed and met with justifiable outrage, contrition is not an option. 
And because it profits Barstool to do so, a disproportionate response is always required. So he said in this interview, we fan the fires. So when anything like this comes up, he goes out and he's Mm -hmm. Dave Portnoy has something like two million um, followers on Twitter. And he basically sends his horde out to um, to bully the people, primarily women um, who speak out against the company. Gosh, where have we seen this behavior before? <laughs> I was wondering if someone was going to make that uh, parallel. <laughs> mm-hmm. So in a couple of, of examples, um, the so in this article, he the the author talks about reaching out to several women reporters or sports writers to get their perspective um and for them to talk about their experiences with the company. So uh, many, many women sports writers always make sure to remove the word bar stool from any of their tweets. So they're not searchable. Um, right. Another, another female reporter um, was, was basically shocked by the response that she got online after writing about the site. So she said, as a woman who writes about sports and a woman who writes feminist content about sports, I'm very used to trolls. She said, I'm very used to abuse. Now, sidebar, that's horrifying Mm -hmm. in and of itself. Yes. Like the fact that, no, no. The fact that women can't write about sports and write about feminism and sports or feminism period. Right. Is a terrible indictment of our of our culture. Yes, agreed. Mm-hmm. So she says uh, this particular case was different. The barrage lasted almost a week, well past the date she assumed the trolls would tucker themselves out. She had to remove the contact email and submission form from her website, being and despite being armed with a verified Twitter account and filters capable of wiping away the very worst attacks, it was still overwhelming, she said, nor was it an easy decision to lock her account. Um, if so, uh, uh, if she locked her account, she felt like they would win. Um, mm-hmm. But a friend told her, at least if you do that, then somebody wins and the game stops. Mm, yeah. But this is yeah. like, she's getting like tens of thousands of tweets and comments a day. And mm-hmm. so even installing a, um, a you know, a, a mass blocker mm-hmm. didn't filter everything out. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's intense. Yeah. And for, you know, a writing professional to have to shut down her website yeah, like that and the contact forms and stuff, that's, I mean, that's interfering with her livelihood. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, not to mention the number of people, even the guy who wrote this article said that he was getting um, phone calls and deliveries to his house because Yikes. Portnoy put up his name, address, phone number, um, or or maybe it wasn't Portnoy, maybe it was one of his followers, but mm-hmm. shared all of that information. Um, and so they're getting obscene phone calls at three in the morning because he wrote an article about the culture of this place. As if nice. obscene phone calls at three in the morning are going to disprove the theory. <laughs> but it's not about disproving. It's no. about winning. Yeah. 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 Um, so like I said, Barstool has a popular NHL podcast. It's called Spit and Chicklets. Um, lots of NHLers and former NHLers go on this pod. 
it's not necessarily as blatantly or violently homophobic, sexist, racist, etc., as the blog or their social media, but it's still bad. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to pivot here to talk specifically about the NWHL's issues with Barstool that happened this week, but I am not in any way trying to give the NHL a pass that they don't deserve. Right. So the so gotcha. the focus right now is on what happened in the NWHL this week, but the NHL has a reckoning to do here as well. So that brings us to our current drama and the reason I'm even talking about this trash fire of an organization. So Erica Nardini, she's the CEO who was hired back in 2016. Mm-hmm. She's been promoting the NWHL on her social media. She had a handful of players on her podcast, um, especially the week leading up to these mm-hmm. this season. Um, so on January 25th, which was this past Monday. Mm-hmm. It's um, the 31st. Right. She posted a video on her um, podcast's Twitter, which is ostensibly her Twitter. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a voiceover of her talking to her quote unquote haters. Um, and the video in the background was screenshots of tweets and Instagram posts and comments and things like this including full usernames, like Twitter handles, Instagram Mm -hmm. handles, all of this stuff. Um, So they were screenshots of people being critical of her and Barstool Mm -hmm. and their involvement in the NWHL. So not actually, quote unquote, haters, but people with actual critiques. Yes. People saying actual things like the NWHL doesn't need Barstool because Barstool is a racist, mm-hmm. sexist, homophobic organization. Like that's right. There's a history of this. Like that's that's just right. a statement of fact, right? Right. This is yeah. objective, not subjective. Exactly, exactly. So one of the things she said in her little one minute voiceover over all this content was if you seek to kill or silence or essentially shun anyone who's new, it's never going to work. Talking about how um she specifically, but Barstool generally, have been supportive of the NWHL. So mm-hmm. now if people are are trying to shun Barstool because they're, I don't know, for whatever reason, um, they're, they're not going to grow their sport. So mm-hmm. they need Barstool in order to grow their sport and their fan base and et cetera, et cetera. Right. So in true Barstool fashion, because she... Leave me you won't ever find anybody else. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, so in true Barstool fashion, because she included screen names and Instagram handles in her video, Barstool mm-hmm. fans started targeting people who were mentioned, mm-hmm. women especially, mm-hmm. um, and many of whom are writers for the NWHL or do social media for teams of the league. Again, most of whom are women. Right. So in another move that is kind of indicative of our culture and sports culture, probably hockey culture, especially the first person to publicly speak out against um, Erica Nardini's video was Soroya Tinker, Mm -hmm. who is a 22 year old hockey defender who plays for the Metropolitan Riveters. She has also medaled in world hockey championships. Um, She also happens to be one of the league's few black players. Mm 
Mm-hmm. And she retweeted the video with a statement that said, we as a league do not want support from any openly racist platform, point blank, period. If you as the CEO cannot recognize that your platform promotes that of a white, that of white supremacy and only further divides the athletic community, perhaps we need to have a conversation. Um, again, she's 22. Yeah, we stand. I was yeah. not that eloquent or self-aware. <laughs> oh, I'm not that eloquent 22. now. <laughs> yeah. Um, Hats off, sorority. Yeah, yeah. Um, so after she spoke up, a handful of NWHL players um, spoke up in support of her, some of her teammates especially, or spoke out against Nardini and Barstool. Mm-hmm. Um, the... The following day, the NWHL commissioner tied to Minia issued a statement about the video in which she states the league has to remain inclusive and empowering for women, etc. So it kind of speaks out against the video, but it doesn't actually say, like, Barstool, you suck nuts. We're not going to have a relationship right. with you, yeah. Now, to be fair, it does not seem that the NWHL as a league... Has has, official, a, has like a monetary or contractual relationship, relationship with Barstool, right? What it has <laughs> been is Barstool is promoting the league and the teams and the game. And mm-hmm. some of the players in the league have have supported supported Barstool, been on their their shows, etc. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which um, their NHL counterparts, it sounds like, have done frequently. So it's not like they're, you know. Mm-hmm. They're not breaking the mold here. Exactly. No. They are following in the footsteps of the uh, much richer and more uh, well-known and more famous male players. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and given Barstool's reach, you know, it's hard to to fault them for, you know. Yeah. Wanting to. Yeah. Get involved. So, but then the next thing that happened was... Um, the same day as the commissioner came out with their with her statement, mm-hmm. Barstool doubled down because that's what they do. And of course, and right. El Presidente himself posted a vid- video on Twitter in which he said the NW- NWHL owed Erica Nardini an apology, and <laughs> and that Soroya Tinker should be in jail for calling a company a white supremacist without a shred of proof. Well, there's a lot to unpack there. I mean, yeah. I mean, uh, just within that sentence, I think there's proof <laughs> of white supremacy in the yep. company. Yeah. Yep. I mean, I'm not going to I'm not going to debate whether Barstool has a history of white supremacy. Like that's no, that's not up for debate. Yeah. Not that no. I think you guys are going to argue with me on that. That's not what I'm trying to apply here. Um well, you know, and there's the old chestnut of oh, being called a racist is just as be is you know calling someone a racist is just as bad as being a racist. Yeah, but but this also again fact, not opinion, from a man who himself has vocally refused to apologize for using the N word. Right. And uh, in yeah. July of last year, posted a podcast episode with the N word fully spelled out in the title. Like as a as a fun little acronym, it was the title of the episode. But this is this is uh, a company that uh, does not have a shred of proof that they're a white supremacist. 
But as you're noting, none of this is actually about facts. Right. Which also yeah. sounds very familiar. Yeah. Right? <laughs> where, where has this been? It's ringing <laughs> some bells for me. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Um... So so then kind of like behind all of this, um, while all of this was going on, there were a significant number of NWHL fans and reporters were looking at the kind of likes and mentions and tweets of some of the players. Hmm. Soroya Tinkers were, of course, a horrifying racist cesspool because Naturally. humans are terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, but what was what was equally troubling is that one of her teammates not just another player in the league but one of her actual teammates was liking tweets about her being jailed for calling this a white supremacist organization yeah okay now not hear that part i will be the first to say that i frequently like a tweet as a bookmark and not as an endorsement Uh, however yeah I would like to think that I at least would have enough awareness to, to that. recognize that this is not one of those times. Yeah. So I'm not I'm not defending this woman for right. liking that tweet. Right. Because that's that's at, no. at best very short-sighted. Yeah. Right. At best. Yeah. Um Was it just one tweet or was it multiple? Um you know what? I didn't I didn't do that deep of a dive cuz it was hurting my heart that okay. this woman that that Soroya uh, yeah. plays with. It's, I mean, it's not that mu- not right. that important, but just, you know, fat thumb syndrome where you accidentally hit the yeah. wrong thing. Yeah. I don't know. Trying to give someone the benefit of the doubt here. I don't know if they deserve yeah. it. Um, so that was, that was a lot of what was going on. And now, of course, Barstool is now saying that some of those 6.9 million viewer minutes on right. Twitch are because... The NWHL had a fight with Barstool, and so oh, Barstool of is, of bitch. course, you know, uh, uh, making them more viewable is is right. raising the oh, profile yeah. of the league. Yes, exactly, Rachel, exactly that face. <laughs> yeah, that was that was the latest piece that I had seen was just people yeah. saying, you know, the NWHL should be thanking Barstool for getting them publicity. <laughs> right, <laughs> it's like, yeah, <laughs> fuck you too. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, So that was Monday and Tuesday. And then in theoretically completely unrelated news, on Thursday, (laughs) the Riveters left Lake Placid due to health concerns related to COVID. Now, that very well might be true. Mm -hmm. Absolutely might be true. I mean, we're seeing it in all of the other sports leagues. There are players in the NHL who have been... I mean, it's stupid. One played yesterday and now today is out. And it's just the one guy who's out, not the whole team. Just, right, the, I saw just that. the one guy. And they're on a really road make trip, sense right? To me. So they're like all yeah. traveling together? Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. And he's going to stay behind and not travel with them when they go to the next city. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, so, I'm sure it's fine. So, <laughs> so very well, they very well could have left due to health concerns related to COVID. But one wonders. Yeah. Yeah, of course. And you know what? I'm I'm not saying that this is what Soroya Tinker did. But if she said, fuck you, I'm not playing with these people. Yeah, would not blame her in the slightest. Oh, no, completely valid. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, just to get like, 
stupid and corporate on it, like that's a hostile working environment. Like that's mm-hmm. an HR problem. Yep. Like literally that's a legal HR problem. That's mm-hmm. not, you know, she would be well within her rights to like escalate that all the way up. Sure. But are NWHL players that I don't know. employees of the league or are they, they contractors? Yeah. I don't right. Know if they're contractors. I know. And I hadn't thought of yeah. that until you just brought up the HR thing. Well, it is part of my job. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do have to. I, I literally just had to do a training on this <laughs> just like this week. <laughs> um, yeah. So so that's kind of what went down in uh, women's hockey this week. That's unfortunately. Intense. Rebecca, thank you for doing um, that deep uh, dive. That's so the Riveters are out for the rest of the short yes. season, one assumes. Yes, Riveters are out. Um, yeah. And I... I want to bleach my brain from all of the horrifying things that I from all of the horrifying things that I read um but I will go ahead and share those articles on our Twitter so that seems you can read the horror for yourself thank you for taking that upon yourself Rebecca that must not have been a very good yes I hate these people yeah yeah Mm -hmm. but I really appreciate the explainer because I definitely on Monday started to see it going down but didn't have the context and was going what's happening here yeah. i really can't figure it out and i know that you are very good at this sort of thing <laughs> so i really <laughs> appreciate you doing that Ugh. i'm sorry Collective. i had to Ugh. but yeah <clears throat> yeah so the nwhl otherwise i mean they're down a team unfortunately <laughs> uh but they're trucking along um how well i guess how are the whale and the white caps doing rachel have you been able to catch any whale games no i uh i dropped the ball this week on that or the puck <laughs> i should say uh, uh, all right no i haven't watched any i watched one whale game last week and, and then that was it cool cool well i think they're actually doing reasonably well um yeah, yeah, I believe that they have uh, been winning a few things. The uh, the heavily favored team coming in, the Boston Pride, has um, rolled over and showed its belly. Uh, bless them. Mm. Uh, I think at least in one case due to a rather unfortunate accident to one of their main players. But they, even before oh. that, they were they were struggling. Um, the Toronto Six are doing remarkably well. So the Minnesota Whitecaps were doing great. They were undefeated. The Toronto Six did end up beating them. Um, but the Minnesota Whitecaps goalie, uh, Levier, is amazing. Um, really, really cool. And apparently her dad is super invested in, like, tweets about her games, which is Aww. cute. That is cute. Yeah. Um, so I've been enjoying the games I've seen. I've caught a few um, not a ton, but I have caught a few less during the week. Um, but, but last weekend I watched quite a few and I think there's, I can't remember if there weren't any yesterday or there aren't any today. Um, but then ne- this coming week we're going to ra- start wrapping things up, I think. So I'm going to try and catch some more. There are two today. Yeah. Two today. Um, okay. Ooh, Boston beat Buffalo six, nothing. Oh, dang. And Buffalo uh, was doing good too. Uh, I'm not sure about that. Well, they had at least one good game I saw. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that was the only game. They've won oh, one. All right. Okay. Okay. Well, I um, saw that one. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then there is another game today that starts in a few minutes. The Whale versus the Six. 
Oh, okay. All right. Very good. Okay. Well, was there anything else you wanted to tell us about the NWHL, Rebecca, or are you complete for the moment? No, I I am done. All right. Rachel, you have some stories to tell us about Hank Aaron. Yes. Uh, since I didn't get my stuff together last time, uh, I thought I owed it to you, uh, our listeners and my fellow podcasters, to try to put a little something together. Um, so this isn't quite a tale from the Negro Leagues, because it's about his time in the big leagues. Um, but I have a little little story to tell. Uh, so first of all, according to the New York Times, uh, Hank Aaron did genuinely prefer Henry. Okay. Um, but interesting, and the newscasters of the day seem to have referred to him that way. So hmm. I don't know if it's just like, since he retired, you know, people hmm. just sort of know him as Hank, because that was his league-approved nickname. I don't know. How funny. Yeah. All right, so there are plenty of stories to tell about Henry Hank Aaron's life and his 22-year Major League career, but since we promise our listeners that they don't have to know anything about (laughs) sports to listen, I thought perhaps I'd go with the most obvious. (laughs) So although Aaron still holds a number of hitting records, including most total bases and most RBIs, and has the third highest number of total career hits at 3,771, that's a lot of hits. His most famous achievement took place late in his career. Aaron is perhaps best known for breaking Babe, Babe Ruth's long-standing record for the most home runs in a season. Ah, okay. Okay, since Aaron had ended the 1973 season one home run short of tying the record, everyone knew it was coming up in 1974. And though Aaron had been in the big leagues for 20 years at that point, it was then that he later identified as the time the racism he experienced reached its peak. Of course. Yes. He said he genuinely feared that he wouldn't make it to 1974. Yikes. Baseball had been reintegrated for 27 years at that point, yet Aaron got up to 3,000 letters a day that season. How do we know this? Well, the U.S. Postal Service gave him an award at the end of 1973 for receiving the most mail of any American who wasn't a politician. That's an award? North of nine. Yes. Oh, my God. I don't know if they still do it anymore. Read the room, post office. (laughs) north of 930,000 letters Uh, and most of that year were unfortunately hate mail oh look how much has changed in 57 years it's so different now (laughs) this never happened (laughs) yeah I wasn't even thinking about your segment when I wrote this just FYI (laughs) Rebecca drink your cider (laughs) there you go Aaron ultimately broke the record at home in Atlanta on the fourth game of the 1974 season. In front of record-breaking attendance, he hit home run number 715 off L.A. Dodgers pitcher Al Downing, and the fans went nuts. Standing Al Downing. (laughs) Way to be remembered. I know, right? (laughs) Standing for a full 11-minute ovation. Amazing. Even Dodgers broadcasting legend Vin Scully remarked, What a marvelous moment for baseball. What a marvelous moment for Atlanta and the state of Georgia. What a marvelous moment for the country and the world. A black man is getting a standing ovation in the Deep South for breaking a record of an all-time baseball idol. And it is a great moment for all of us, and particularly for Henry Aaron. Hmm. However, Atlanta, the state of Georgia, the country, and the world looked pretty different from Aaron's perspective. In 1990, he told the New York Times, 
April 8th, 1974 really led up to turning me on, turning me off on baseball. It really made me see for the first time a clear picture of what this country is about. My kids had to live like they were in prison because of kidnap threats. And I had to live like a pig in a slaughter camp. I had to duck. I had to go out the back door of the ballparks. I had to have a police escort with me all the time. I was getting threatening letters every single day. All of these things have put a bad taste in my mouth and it won't go away. Yeah, no kidding. They carved a piece of my heart away. Mm. Indeed, his 1974 season was his last in Atlanta. He returned to Milwaukee to the Brewers in 1975 to play his last two seasons, saying, at the very least, I felt I had earned the right not to be verbally abused and racially ravaged in my home ballpark. Fair. He would end his career with 755 home runs, a record not broken until 2007 by Barry Bonds. But as I alluded to last episode, all of Bonds' hitting records, indeed all hitting records from the so-called steroid era in baseball, come with an asterisk. Mm-hmm. I'll give Aaron himself the last word. The 50th anniversary of breaking Babe Ruth's, home, Babe Ruth's record came and went in 2014, and Aaron did a number of interviews for the occasion. He told a USA Today reporter that he'd hung on to some of the hate mail, quote, to remind myself that we are not that far removed from when I was chasing the record. If you think that, you're fooling yourself. A lot of things have happened in this country, but we have so far to go. There's not a whole lot that has changed. Hmm. And when did he write that? 94? Say what? When did he write that? 14. 2014. 2014. Yep. Six years ago. Well, this is a really fucking depressing episode, guys. <laughs> yeah. Do you yeah. need me to bring it up? Please. Okay. Well, I'm just I, I, so thank you, Rachel, for doing that. I, it's <laughs> it's good yes. to hear in his own words and some of his accomplishments and fuck the asterisk era. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's that's incredible. And for all the but you know, we, we talked about it last time it the the papering over of his you know very stern words about racism. And it's continued yeah. effect on the country. Oh, my God. Well. Joe, Joe, can you insert, like, a silly sound effect here or something? <laughs> <laughs> <Ba-da-ba-ba-da-bum>. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, uh, two paths diverged in the podcast. Do we take further penance and talk about the uh tr- the short-sighted and horrifying trades that the A's are making which are not horrifying in a in an existential racist sense just personally horrifying because they're our favorite players or do we talk about really funny basketball drama funny basketball drama okay <laughs> so the warriors uh, first of all, I'll give you a, a fun fact, since we're talking about records, actually. Steph Curry, whom we, we know and love, is now the in the second place. He's number two for all-time uh, three-pointers uh, made. Nice. So, yeah, which is pretty terrific. He's also not in second place for number of, of three-pointers attempted, which tells you that he's better at making them than some mm-hmm. of the other people <laughs> on this list. Um, so just for context, he is, uh, he is second only to Ray Allen, who made 2,973 three-pointers. Mm-hmm. How? 2,973. Damn. Steph has made 2,584. 
Mm-hmm. Um, that's a 43% uh, average make on him, which is pretty stinking good. <laughs> yeah. Actually. And just for context, uh, our our hero, uh, the Wunderkind himself, uh, LeBron James, is currently number 13 on this list. So, uh, you know. <laughs> Clay Thompson is also on here. He's a little further down. He's number 19. And Damian Lillard, who we also love, is number 16. So, you know. There's, there's folks on here. But Steph Curry could very conceivably, assuming nothing happens to him and he continues to play for, for you know, another few years, could very easily end his career in the number one spot on this list. So that's he has 3,000. Yeah. Yeah. So that's fun. Um, but what's also fun is that the Warriors played a game last night against the Pistons, um, and they won quite handily, which was nice. They are currently 11 wins to nine losses and i believe they are tied for the eighth seed with like three or four or five other teams um which is great i mean 11 9 they're just slightly better than you know 50 percent, right yeah you win more than you lose that's you uh, win what more you hope than for you lose. that's the goal <laughs> um and they're still getting better which is the other piece of this so that's really cool um and it's been fun to watch them get their sea legs a little bit more. Andrew Wiggins is continuing to be terrific. Steph Curry has had some ups and downs. Part of the problem for him is really just that like opposing team defenses just swarm all over him so he can't get anything off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, drink that. Drink that cider. <laughs> uh, but Clay Thompson, who is out for the year with a torn Achilles has been occasionally doing these guest spots as uh, like a commentator, right? As a play by play and color guy. And you may have remembered me talking about this before, but Clay Thompson is frequently unintentionally hilarious. <laughs> he <laughs> is very dry and also just kind of like, seems to say what pops into his mind as he says it, um, but, like, very flat. So it, it, it can be really entertaining. And watching him commentate the Warriors games is really entertaining. Um, and so last night there was a whole little funny thing. So Juan Toscano-Anderson, who we have talked about before, who's, like, a bench player for the Warriors, he's from Oakland, great kid, um, was very involved in the Black Lives Matter and the summer marches for racial justice, that sort of thing. Was an inactive player, but he was there at the game, you know, in the quote-unquote stands, because there's no crowd, but he was there with the other team members. And for some reason, at halftime, a player from the Pistons came over and was starting shit with him. And it's unclear, as far as I can tell, whether this is like, they have a history and this guy has a problem with him or like, yeah, to, if he's not even playing to come over and yeah, it, start it something. It was weird. weird. Yeah, it was weird. Um, so like, hi kitty. Um, <laughs> <laughs> suddenly the screen is filled with cat butt. Mm-hmm. Um, thank you, Rebecca, for <laughs> shielding her dignity. I, I, I have <laughs> I have been doing this a lot over the last 10 months, just <laughs> preventing yeah. cat butthole from being on camera. Uh-huh. Yeah, it needs its own mm-hmm. little filter. 
<laughs> Shoot. Sorry. <laughs> I wish I could just put a sticker on her. <laughs> yeah. It seems like it would cause other problems. Um, it would, so anyway, yes. Mainly this... she would kill me in my sleep. <laughs> okay. So halftime altercation. They go back. They're playing the game. Uh, is Keno Anderson still not playing. Like, you know, like he's just inactive for the night. After the game, it starts up again, right? Like, apparently the beef continues, and Clay Thompson is on air and notices this. It's, like, relatively near him. And he's trying to figure out what's going on, so he calls over to to Juan Toscano Anderson and is saying, you know, what what's going on? What's he saying to you? And he gets an answer, which we can't hear mm-hmm. on the recording, but apparently Clay doesn't like it. Um, and so he proceeds to just very calmly eviscerate this guy <laughs> and said, and I'm probably fucking up the actual quote, but he said something like, oh, that guy. Well, he's on his way out of the league. He's probably mad about it. Don't pay him any attention. <laughs> <laughs> and then he says, yeah, he's fronting. Like, he's even a good player. <laughs> oh, wow. And like, just completely matter of fact mm-hmm. not like mm-hmm. i'm talking about you in a fight but just like you know mm-hmm. what's he doing trying to start shit he's not even good yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> so the reason that i love this first of all is that it's very funny but second of all it says something to me about how the stars on the warriors relate to the low end of the players right like Juan Toscano anderson he's not on clay's level like i i love him but he just like not right like he's not an all-star um but i mean not everybody on the team can be at that level yeah right exactly yeah. yeah but like the fact that clay is immediately seeing that there's an altercation wanting to find out what's going on and then is immediately like on his teammate's side even though this teammate is like not his peer right i thought it was just really nice and then draymond green love draymond green. <laughs> You do? I do. (laughs) Spends like two minutes in the post-game press interviews ruthlessly mocking this guy. Just like, like, like Clay is is funny and deadpan and, and, you know, off the cuff. Draymond comes for your throat. Somewhat more animated is Draymond Green. Little bit. Little bit. So... (laughs) I just thought it was so funny. Just, you know, it, yeah. the trash talk in the NBA can be very entertaining. And it's it's just when it crops up abruptly like that. And you could tell the other mm-hmm. commentators were just totally not prepared. Mm-hmm. Like They, they were like, oh, oh, Clay. <laughs> I, I, I love when, they're, when the players are allowed to show their personality like that. I mean, I think yeah. it happens a lot more in um, basketball than it does in hockey. But yeah, I, think I love true. it. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and I would it, like it to. It was a good moment. I'd like to nominate the beef continues as our episode title. <laughs> okay, I'll make a note. The beef continues. Yeah. Well, now, yeah. I'm not, now I'm hungry. Oh, sorry. It is a good time for you, huh? Well, no, I just started so thinking about beef. <laughs> uh huh. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. <laughs> well. All right, from, from from beef, shall we move to sticks and balls? Tell us about the uh, MLB trades, Rachel. Okay, uh, sure, sure. Uh, 
got to get my brain back on track here. All right. So we start with the unfortunately personal. Um, mm. The two trades that we feared have indeed come to pass. Former A's shortstop Marcus Semien has been traded to the Toronto Blue Jays. No! And closing pitcher Liam Hendricks has been traded to the Chicago White Sox. Insert sobbing emoji here. Yes. Oh. Not so unexpected. I don't know, I don't know anything about Marcus Semien except that we love him. Yeah. We do. And he's, we love he's a hometown dude. guy. Mm-hmm. It was not, not a good trade, if you ask no. me. No, like it was not uh, okay. Not a good trade for you as a fan emotionally, or also not a good baseball trade. Yes. Also, <laughs> we're giving above. away a very good shortstop. I don't know who we're gonna get. Mm. Oh, we don't yeah. even know who we're gonna get. No. Nope. What? Yep. How do trades work in baseball? Are, you yeah, got a shortstop because we don't got a shortstop. You got an extra. <laughs> <laughs> let me let me check under the couch. He was also just supremely reliable, and yeah, he didn't do super great in 2020. But you know, we're kind of excusing it because yeah, weird pandemic season. A lot of people who usually do great didn't do great. So I mean, we we discussed, we alluded to it before that they uh, were both coming up on uh, end of their contracts, so uh, they would have had to get paid a lot more to stay. And uh, Oakland, in general, has uh, been notorious for not wanting to do that and not wanting to pay to keep really good players. Though, that seems to be somewhat of a uh, a theme throughout the league, because while those two trades were the uh, most significant to me personally, uh, just this week, a crazy big trade was, it's not completely finalized, but it's been announced as official and they're still working the details out because there are a lot of details to work out. In what some are calling the Friday night heist, (laughs) Nolan Nolan Arenado, a uh, third baseman who's been with the Colorado Colorado Rockies his whole major league career. He's an eight-time gold glove third baseman, eight consecutive years. Everyone agrees he's going to be a future Hall of Famer has been sent to the St. Louis Cardinals along with $50 million to help offset the (laughs) remainder of his contract in exchange for a few middle-of-the-road prospects for the Rockies. Ouch. Yeah. So are the, the, I almost called them the Colorado prospects, are the Colorado (laughs) Rockies like in a winning position right now? Or is this like a, this is like a part of a rebuild probably? Yeah. So uh, a few years ouch, ago, ouch, they ouch. just like a few years ago, like two or three, they re-signed Arenado with a great big contract and kind of promised, OK, we're going to build a team around you. We're going to, mm. you know, put mm. other players to support you. And they didn't. They didn't no, want to spend the money on that. They said, bye. They don't want to pay out the, re- the rest of his contract. So they're not only letting him go, they're paying somebody else to take him. Which is insane. And he's, like I said, he's been around his whole career with them. He was a mainstay on the team. And it's just, Rockies fans are incensed. And I cannot blame them for that. Or went out for the Rockies fans. Um, So Aaron Otto's not too upset because um, of the, the, he feels like the Rockies broke their promise to him about, you know, building the team up around him. 
And the Cardinals, apparently, with that, are um, set to be on top of the, the National League Central. So they're looking good this year. St. Louis is real excited. Um, and yeah, I did, okay. you know, I did a little bit of research into this because why is the question that comes up for a lot of people, I think. <laughs> Fair um, question. And so uh, Matt Martell from Sports Illustrated had this to say. The deal is yet another frustrating example of a billionaire owner sacrificing competitive integrity at the altar of the efficiency gods. It's the third time within the last 12 months that a team has traded its homegrown star on a Hall of Fame trajectory because it callously and dubiously concluded that the face of its franchise would be more valuable playing for another team. And so the other two that he's talking about within the last 12 months um, – was uh, Mookie Betts going from the Red Sox to the Dodgers. That was a big deal. Mm-hmm. Worked out pretty damn well for Mookie, but... Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And then recently, uh, Francisco Lindor, uh, from a longtime player from Cleveland, was just recently traded to the New York Mets. Mm. Um, because these teams didn't want to play or pay the players what they were worth on the open market. And um, S- Stephanie Epstein at Sports Illustrated uh, had a, a good article on this, too. Um and I will, I've got these links, we can post them to the blog. Um, mm-hmm. And kind of put this in context. Um, and uh, was talking about that, like, owners kind of, like, you owned a baseball team, once you were a billionaire, you owned a baseball team to say you owned a baseball team, right? To show mm-hmm. up to be the, you know, the face to, to wave from a float on the parade to, you know, just be like, okay, I have a fuck ton of money. I love baseball. Mm-hmm. Why don't I buy a team? And instead, there's kind of turned to a culture of money making as the Mm -hmm. ultimate goal. Not winning games, making money. Mm -hmm. Which is not altogether surprising, but, you know, just pretty depressing. Yeah, disappointing. So, Epstein had this to say. Owners like to remind us that baseball is a business. That's true, but... Until children start wearing Goldman Sachs jerseys, owning a sports team is not a standard investment opportunity. (laughs) Owners of baseball teams should be rich dorks who are mostly in it for the chance to take batting practice on the field and helm a float in the championship parade. Instead, we are saddled with a collection of people who insist on pocketing every every available dollar, usually at the expense of fans whose passion makes their teams valuable in the first place. Frankly, I think that that goes for a lot of the... I mean, I that... That's absolutely true in hockey as well. Yeah. And I'm, yeah, I'm absolutely sure it is. Uh, But I thought it was interesting. And this is not something I, you know, know a whole lot about in a, um, you know, comparative sense with different sports leagues. But she was also talking about baseball players tend to reach free agency later in their careers Mm -hmm. than what happens in other sports. Mm -hmm. Um, So by the time they're finally getting paid what they're worth, their best years are usually behind them. And teams are kind of paying them for their past performance, Mm -hmm. which I thought was really interesting. You know what? Brittany and I have this have this discussion about hockey all the time. Um, I wouldn't say hockey players are old when they reach free agency. I mean, they're... Um, they're in their early to mid-30s. They, no, they're in their mid-20s. No. Yeah, baseball players 20s. are like late to early 30s, and that's but, considered late. But they are still being paid for past performance. Mm-hmm. The way that, that athletic contracts are structured... It pays for past performance. So you're giving somebody who's 25 a 10-year, I mean, in hockey, it's you're getting a 10-year, you know, $12 million a year contract. By the time you're 35, 
hell, by the time you're 33, you're not going to be most of the time. You're not going to be the same player you were when you were 25. And yet you're still getting paid for what you did when you were 22, 23, 24. Basketball isn't as bad about that, I think. Um, I mean, there is a certain amount of it. Like Steph Curry recently, you know, got his new contract. And of course, like, you know, it was payday for him because he'd been on a on a lower contract from from before but there is a certain amount especially if you seem really good like as a rookie or like early on basketball will invest in your future they will definitely um you know pony up in order to get you on their team because they think you're going to be real good in the next few years yeah so i i certainly won't say that there is no paying for past performance in basketball there absolutely is um but it's maybe more evenly balanced. Well, but I think the contracts tend to be shorter in basketball than they are in baseball and uh, and hockey as well, if I recall correctly. What's a what's an average basketball contract? Uh, well, they, I mean, they can do year to year for mm-hmm. one thing, um, but an average is probably more. I want to say more like somewhere in the three to five neighborhood, mm-hmm. depending. I would say like, that's. I would say that's pretty similar in hockey. It's Is usually it? okay. like a three to four. It's just that the big contracts that you hear about yeah. are, are, you know, eight ones. to 10 to 12. Okay. Yeah. Okay. But I mean, there are tons of guys who are on a year to year contract or two years, three years. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I guess I, I'm, you know, my exposure may have on the Sharks because they carry so many long, big contracts that yeah. I just not have a good contest <laughs> for that one. Well, that's that's also true. I mean, it's it's also going to depend on your general manager who's right. signing the contracts um, and their preference, you know. Are we going for it all right now? In which case, we're going to sign everyone to two-year contracts and then we're going to rebuild. Or are we, are we building over time? Yeah. So, guys, when we're rich... What team are we going to buy? How rich are we? Is this like money is not an issue, Rich? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is, we won the lottery and we're stupid, filthy rich now. Okay. Yeah. I mean, part of me says buy the Dodgers and send them to Dead Horse Alaska. (laughs) Um, But that's a small, cruel part of me. My my heart's answer is the Capitals. But, okay, hear me out, though. What if we each bought, like, a WNBA team and an NWHL team, and then we could all, like, play each other? Okay. Yeah. I mean, if money is not an option, I'm still going to buy the Capitals. But I will, <laughs> but I will also inf- invest in mm-hmm. women's professional sports. Yeah. I wonder what it actually costs to buy, like, a women's hockey team. Like, what... What's the act like? Rebecca, Google. <laughs> what does it cost? So buy? I'll tell you, if I Google the cost of a women's NHL team right now, what's going to come up is more shit about Erica Nardini and Barstool. Oh, it's fine. Because, yeah. Give it a month. Because at, at the end of her video, she's like, I've wanted to buy an NWHL team. So if oh, you guys are selling, that. come yeah, to me. That's such bullshit. Which is why part of the um, NWHL um, commissioner's statement was, we don't sell our teams to people who don't match our values and commitments and blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Ooh, in eight, in 2018, there was an article on Forbes, now might be the time to buy a women's professional sports team. 
Well, see, there you go. No kidding. So three years ago, we should have acted on this. Yeah. Yeah, Damn it! Three years ago. <laughs> now there's a reason my family's motto is late but in earnest. <laughs> Let's see. <laughs> what you got there, Rachel? Anything? Uh, anything? Well, this would be two years old. Let's see. I'm trying to find I'm out. Just for wondering about like, could we could we make an ownership group? Could we get investors? Well, so if the leagues if the leagues operating. Yeah. Like, as a Ooh. league in 2021, in an article mm-hmm. oh, published last week, um, the league's operating costs are less than $10 million. Oh, so as of two years ago, uh, you could buy a national pro fast pitch team in softball for $250,000 and only spend a million per year to operate. That actually seems incredibly doable. WNBA teams are more expensive to operate. Ooh, yeah. Uh, it doesn't give a hard dollar figure here, though. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I mean, obviously, like, I don't have that kind of money in my sofa cushions. We'd have to get investors, but like. Oh, I do. <laughs> oh, good. Well, go shake your cushions then. <laughs> my couch is really uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> That's why all your spare change falls into it. Yes. Okay. I'm just saying. Foul Puck Arena has like a real good ring to it. <laughs> it's a good retirement fun. plan. Investment. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. I like it. Okay. All right. Well, did we have anything else we wanted to go into here? Uh, I do want to just do a quick update on um, the Alex Ovechkin goal watch. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, I, I, we, we should talk about Ovi on another, another time, but I do want to say he scored um, the overtime game-winning goal yesterday, Saturday night, against mm. the Bruins. Uh, and that was his 708th goal. Um, so he is now tied for seventh all time in goals. Nice. Um, he is the only still active player up in that top 10 list. Um, yeah. Patrick Marlowe is in the top 25. Okay. Um, he is 180 behind Wayne Gretzky. Hmm. Um, that's still that's, quite a few. Yeah, I was gonna say that seems like a lot. Cause, cause, how many do, does he tend to get in the season? About fifty. Yeah, so that's a few years. Yeah, I mean he's he's gonna play for a while. Is he? Okay. Let's see. It's one hundred eighty six. Is that that he's behind? Um, mm-hmm. But at the same time, that was his twenty fourth overtime goal, which is mm-hmm. five higher than the number two player. um of all time cool yeah so he's got 24 overtime goals um out of 1100 games played and yarmir yager is number two with 19 overtime goals with 1700 games played dang yeah so we're on we're on ov watch okay all right very good glad to hear it Mm -hmm. yeah thank you for the update Mm -hmm. (laughs) okay and i have yeah one more thing yeah, do it. <laughs> ASMR portion of the pod. Thank you for that, Rachel. Right. <laughs> if it's too gross, Joe can take it out. <laughs> no, it was perfect. I love it. It's very you want to leave that thread hanging? Yeah. All right. Well, Rebecca, tell us where our our uh, our fans, our friends, and our uh, potential investors can find us. <laughs> 
Uh, investors should email us at foulpugpodcast at gmail.com. Um, we are on Instagram at foulpugpodcast, Twitter at foulpugpod, and our website is foulpugpodcast.net. Excellent. All right. And I would like to thank Joe for doing our editing and for Kevin McLeod at incompetech.com for our music. And I would like to say that if you are listening to this, uh, first of all, thanks, Jess, for listening to this. Please take good care of Marcus Simeon since he is coming to your Toronto Blue Jays. We oh, that's right. Yes. Yeah. Congratulations, Jess. Yeah. Yeah. And everybody else, thank you for listening, too. Uh, and please go ahead and give us a five-star rating on the podcast listening app of your choice. iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean whatever you are listening to presumably not like a tin can though if you are listening on a tin can you could like paint some stars on the side of it that might be cute uh we will be back uh next week (laughs) rebecca is laughing at me very hard right now (laughs) i just want to know how how we're broadcasting from a tin can magic okay (laughs) i'll take it it was a really good mental image i just went i like it thanks I have been Nancy. I will continue to be Nancy. And I have been joined by... I'm mostly Rachel. <laughs> mostly Rachel. Mostly Rachel. And Rebecca. And predominantly Rebecca. <laughs> Very good. Very good. And we will catch you all next time. Stay well. Wash your hands. Wear a mask. Watch women's hockey. Mm-hmm.